Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brody Lancaster. And I'm Kate Jinx. BL, how are you? What's going on? It's lovely to see you. So nice to see you too, Jinxie. I have to know, after our last episode came out, how did you feel? What was the vibes? <laughs> you, you shared a lot that we, we normally don't share on the pod. Yeah, I did. It's funny because we hadn't watched the two episodes of And Just Like That that came out. Uh, because they weren't out when we recorded. Um, and thank God, because it's really given us a lot to talk about this episode. I laughed out loud when they got to the uh, carry the ad that they wanted her to do <laughs> for, for her podcast, Sex in the City. Um, because I was like, oh my God, that is this whole episode of See Also. It's Brody. It's like you talking about the cool things you're doing in the city and it's me talking about my vag. So we should have just called that whole episode vag in the city. It hit a little too close to home. <laughs> um, not, not in the way of what they're advertising in the ad, just the title yeah. vag in the city. Yeah. I need to be clear about that. Um, I actually feel really good about it. I mean, I feel it's always weird to like open up about something even vaguely personal mm-hmm. on something like this, but Um, I did mention that my DMs were open and it was so nice because a lot of people reached out and, um, I got a lot of messages from people who have been through the same thing or are going through the same thing or are going through something related, like they're going through surgery for endo or 
whatever else. Mm. And uh, it's been really actually great to talk to everyone about what they're going through, what I'm going through. I've given my like GP and gyno uh, recommendations out Mm. and yeah, so it's been really good. How did you feel about me talking so openly, so brazenly about it? I was so mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) As if, no, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I, you know, we talk off pod about our personal stuff and um, I know that it takes a lot to kind of share with, you know, People we know who listen, but also strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, thank you for saying the word fibroid because nobody <laughs> says the word fibroid. Yeah. Because yeah. it sounds disgusting. I mean, it probably feels worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you? How have you been? I've been pretty good. I've had, I'm now in week three of working for myself. Love that. I had to, um, this past week, remember that I need to motivate myself to do stuff when there's Mm. not like other people relying on me in terms of like coworkers and project managers and things like that. Um, and I have a lot on my plate, but I also know that when I can push a deadline or when I can do something the day before it's due, you know. Yeah. Um, and so without the structure of a nine to five, I'm I'm figuring out what my days look like. But I mean, the news in Melbourne this past week has been Era's tour ticket madness. Yeah. Even um, I got involved. Yeah. <laughs> I had to explain to Jinxie yesterday that Taylor Swift is re-recording her old records and releasing them. And yet today you were texting me from the from the Amex lounge <laughs> trying to get those that hot property. Yeah, I was trying to be the cool aunt for my niece um, in Sydney, but did not realize that the uh, pre-sale today for Amex was for VIP packages and only the top two tiers. So they were like eight hundred and twelve fifty or something. Yeah, and so I got in almost immediately. Yeah, which was yeah. a miracle. But then was like, oh. I don't yeah. think my, you know, 15-year-old niece wants no. to spend that much money. And for reference, these are for a ticket, like a good you know, A reserve or B reserve ticket for the show, which in normal, without all the VIP stuff, is $380 for an mm. A reserve. Um, and then just all the trappings of getting a VIP. So it's like four limited eras to a postcards, like a poster of taylor swift like it's just a mer- it's a show bag yeah it's a taylor swift show bag yeah while we're on show bag just yeah. briefly yeah. Uh, i don't know if i've ever told you this but my um my girlfriend's brother-in-law i don't know what that makes him to me he has one of the best nicknames for somebody i've ever heard is he it re- show bag yeah he refers oh. to someone as show bags we were like what does that mean and he said oh well he's always full of shit isn't that amazing? So good. Really good. Anyway, back to Swift. Uh, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, I will either have tickets or I won't. Fingers crossed I will have them. Anyway, it's good. It's fine. It'll be fun. It's at the MCG, my favorite place. So like the Great. thought of watching Taylor Swift in her discography era under the shadow of the Shane Warne stand... Beautiful. It's what life's about. And I will happily not be there. And that's great because that would be, it's so selfless, actually, me giving up a seat for, you know, someone who deserves it. (laughs) You actually are. Um, I went to the movies on the weekend. I saw You Hurt My Feelings. Oh, the new Nicole Holofcena. Yeah. 
she's a star. She's the best. I really want to see it. I yeah. mean, I loved Enough Said. I love her earlier films mm-hmm. as well, but I really loved Enough Said. Her most, that was like her most recent until this, right? I think so. I'm not certain, but yeah, I just have that poster of James Gandolfini with um, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus in my head. And I rewatched that recently and I was like, fuck, this holds up. Is she in this one? Julia, yeah, yeah. So it's Julia Louis Dreyfus plays a. Um, she works at the New School teaching a writing workshop, and she's an author. Um, has just finished writing her first novel after having published a memoir a few years earlier, and her sister is Michaela Watkins, who just perfect in everything, and she is an interior designer who's like, what I do doesn't matter. I hate everyone I work for. Like, what am I doing this for? And then her husband is um, – what's his name? I wrote it down somewhere. Her husband is played by Ariane Mouad, who's Stewie from Succession. Oh. And he's like a struggling, bad, failing actor um, who's like a total egomaniac. But um, he and – He plays a good one. Yeah. He's besties with – um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character's husband, played by Tobias Menzies, who I only know from Game of Thrones. And he's a couples therapist and he's, by all accounts, a really bad one. And um, basically the premise of the movie is that they overhear the two husbands talking um, accidentally and Julia Louis-Dreyfus' husband is basically saying, I don't like her book. Like it's it, it sucks and she keeps mm. writing new drafts and making me read them and I don't think it's good. And it's, it's like a tight 80 minutes. Oh, love that. It's perfect. It's like, it's exactly what I want, you know, <laughs> from yeah. like a f- early 50 something like adults comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, everyone in my, in the theater, I think I was the youngest person there by like 30 ish years. Jeez. And, um, and so the things that I and my friend were laughing at were not the things that everyone else was laughing <laughs> at. And there was a lot of like people having to say what's happening on the screen oh, going around in the cinema. Right, right. Yeah. But it was perfect. I loved it. Highly recommend. Well, I, I will see it. Can't wait to discuss hmm. when you get a chance. Um, what have you been up to, Jinxie? Well, I've also been to the movies. Um, also seeing a movie that thrilled me, BL. I did go and see <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh my God, whip crack sound effect. Oh yeah, <laughs> I uh, missed it again and um, managed to get along to the um, Melbourne premiere of it. And uh, like who needs the French Riviera when you've got a Guinness World Record holder of whip cracking <laughs> doing a display at the front involving like UV light, <gasps> like whips as well. Like, cool. It was really good. They don't have that on La Croisette. They do not have that on La Croisette. <laughs> um, and it was it was really quite a delight to see. <laughs> and I enjoyed the movie so much. It was great. Exactly what I wanted out of this. Yeah. Um, Harrison is obviously a delight. There's a quite a lengthy sequence at the front, though, of... Uh, him with like a deep fake face of his old face. Oh. And that is distracting, mm. I will say. Is the vibe a bit like, I'm too old for this shit, kind of like it was when he came back in Star Wars? Mm, 
Kind of, yeah. He's like, he is, so it's set in mostly in the 70s and he's a professor now. I miss the King, the, the Skulls movie, the Cate Blanchett Skulls one. Yeah. Everyone was like, no, oh, it's not good. Yeah. I, I skipped that one too. Mm. Um, so I don't know what he was up to in that one, but essentially mm. he's a professor and his goddaughter comes along and stirs up trouble. And the goddaughter <laughs> is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I don't usually like and she was very good in this as please you liked her for once it's just not for me fleabag i was irritated by the constant cocky wink at the camera yeah. like that really got to me i am not a straight woman and i really felt that that was needed for that yeah, show yeah okay. okay or or for people who have sex with men generally maybe gotcha would be okay. more of a um, you he, were watching it being like, where's, where's the Olivia Coleman? Like spend more time with her. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Always more Olivia Coleman needed. But you know what? I watched every episode. Um, and I watched the NT live thing as well. So oh. I, I, I have done my due diligence when it comes <laughs> to the Waller bridge. So did he was back to Indiana Jones. Was he like passing the torch or the whip over to his goddaughter? So she'll carry on like the, the franchise. Really, I don't want to give too much away, but okay. uh, she is mm, a nefarious character within uh, the film, I would say. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, it was very fun. Um, and I was like sold about 10 minutes into the thing because there is a shot of Harrison Ford. Uh, as Indy waking up and he has fallen asleep in front of the television and he's been watching HR Puff and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> and Zoe nudged me and I was like, oh my, this is made for me. Um, so go and see it. Go and see it at IMAX because it was very good there. Well, speaking of Olivia Coleman, some big news came out last when week. When are we not? When are we not? Um, Pat, the Paddington 3 movie cast was announced mm. and new additions include Olivia Coleman, Antonio Banderas, and Emily Mortimer, Nicole Hall of Center Hive. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paddington's leaving London. He's going to the home for retired bears to visit his aunt Lucy in this oh. movie. And Col- Olivia Coleman plays the retirement homes, like the, the nun who plays guitar and runs the retirement home. <laughs> and uh, Emily Mortimer is replacing Sally Hawkins. She's not going to be in this one. Oh, what's she doing? Don't know. We just, should give Sally a call. We should check in. She's just not play, playing Mrs. Brown. Okay. What was that movie? Right. She was in Happy Go Lucky. <laughs> I remember that uh-huh. <laughs> with the like evil yes. driving instructor. Yes, I do. I um, very enjoyed that. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's a different show about a bear, but um, <laughs> I did watch The Bear on the weekend and it is stuffed with celebrity cameos. And so they is have. Is that good or distracting? It's both. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no spoilers. We're going to talk about the bear in coming weeks, but um, it, yeah, because I haven't seen it. Yet. It could sometimes be dis- uh, distracting and sometimes absolutely delightful. All right. Yeah. And our girl Ayoade Debiri, star. Yeah, she's one. a freaking star. She's in everything this year. Every I think three movies this year. Yeah. We yeah. need bottoms in Australia. We do need bottoms in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it is Pride Month after all. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, God, I hate myself sometimes. But speaking of... Yeah, speaking of bottoms. Um, or the other version, actually. Um, did you see that both Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton 
made a cameo appearance at Glastonbury this week. Oh my God, I only saw the Tar. Yeah, Tilda turned up the next day for a Max Richter performance, which was advertised beforehand. Okay. But um, what was what was Lydia doing up there? I don't know. It was giving silent disco. It was. <laughs> oh my God. You're so right. It really, really was. Yeah, it's like a bachelorette party walking down Brunswick Street at, in the blaring sun on a Saturday afternoon with headphones on. Oh, God. I just... They look like podcasters. They do look like <laughs> podcasters. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so they were there. So at least we know where they both were on the weekend. Great. It's good to know. Sally Hawkins still not accounted for, but we know where <laughs> Kate and Tilda are. Which is great. What else? Oh, my God. After you were talking about the idol last week and I'd been a bit like, well, I don't know. I went home and I was like, well, I should probably watch one episode. And then before I knew it, I had watched all three episodes, devoured them. It is a stupid show. Yeah. Like, so stupid. Yeah. I was howling and also yelling at the television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like very much like a sporting game, I guess, for, sure. for those that don't imbibe in that way. Um, but... It was so fun. Yeah. So you've now seen 60% of what Sam Levinson describes as a five-hour movie. Well, I did watch it like a movie one after the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, mm, yeah, look, thank God for Jane Adams. I will say she Troy. really keeps it together. She is the one. And Hank Azaria. Yeah. They know what they're doing in yes. this show. Yes. And Rachel Sennett. Yes. And most other people, like at least the main actors. Yeah. They're they are in different shows. Oh, the week the way the weekend has been tweeting about this show, he thinks that he's like Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> and not Francis Ford Coppola making Jack. Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> making the stuff that people like. <laughs> oh no. Um yeah, he's like he he's, is just not very good in it. Oh, he's shocking. Also, they keep talking about his rat tail. He's it's just a ponytail. His hair's just brushed back. You are so right. It is not a rat's tail. It's so at frustrating. All. It's just he's got a long plait, and that she's got a long low plait. That tells me that he wasn't committed to this character enough to shave his head. Oh, I mean, he should have an actual. God, I haven't seen a real rat's tail in a minute. Oh, there are lots in Melbourne. Huh. Okay, yeah. maybe I, maybe they're just tucked into their collars or something at the moment yeah. for winter. <laughs> into their skinny scarves. <laughs> But yeah, look, I'm enjoying it and I will watch episode four after this tonight. Yeah, great. I just watched it. It was it was tough. Melbourne's own Troy Savan is really putting on a show. Yeah, the accent is interesting. Mm, he does some singing in episode four, no spoilers. Okay, great. But we'll be discussing the idol in our next episode, um, including the finale. Yeah, so, I mean, catch up. It is – you will not stop watching it once you've started. So yeah. it's a very easy watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not easy and it's, like, fully palatable or something. Like, it's – look, it's, it is stupid. It is, it is a stupid show. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. Don't watch it like a Gen Z person watches it, which is – with the view that it's like really high art and needs to be like interrogated. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And my God, the like, well, we can say, look, let's talk about it next. Week. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep going. I started reading the new Emma Klein book and that is shades of the idol. Yeah, me too. I started last night. Mm-hmm, same. Yeah. The guest. So I'm sure that will come up. Did you read the girls? I didn't. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I read anything that is even remotely linked to the Manson girls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should I? Watch anything, read anything. Yeah. 
uh, yes, please yeah. put acid in my hamburger and I will eat it all up. Um, <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Um, Speaking of the idol should... again, the, you know, the squeaky Fromey character yes, that sir. I described last time. Um, didn't make the connection that she's the girl in Red Rocket who Simon Rex is like horny for. And lesbian. She's got a wife. Does she? She does. She's got great eyebrows in the idol. She does have great eyebrows. Yeah. She is putting in an effort. She's great. I don't mm. know where she came from, where she's going. Love her. Love her. Yeah. Uh, she was spotted on the street. Oh, of course she was. Mm. That's so the idol. It's so the idol. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Um, I went to see this play Jackie at MTC, which would have been the hardest recommend of the year for me, but it has finished. But I'm so hoping that it will be on at another mm-hmm. theater in another city because, mm-hmm. or made into a movie or made into a TV show because it was so excellent. So please, huh. please remember the name Jackie, J-A-C-K-Y. It's a fantastic play. Oh my God. How could I forget? How could you forget? Because it's like end of financial year. I'm trying to do that thing where you're like, add up all of the streaming things that you pay for. Oh yeah. Oh God. It's Torture. not, it's not good. And, um, I did do it and decided I could probably get rid of the New York times mm-hmm. because it's $36 a month, which is a lot for that. Yep. Um, and I was like, I could, I can let go of the cooking. I can get, let go of the games. It still gives me word all that's fine. I don't think I realized just how many profiles I read within that thing. And when I saw Jenna Lyons posting about how she'd been featured in Sunday Styles, I couldn't click fast enough <laughs> and then was locked out because I had paused my subscription. Oh, no. And so I immediately just, like, I lasted two days <laughs> and I'm a subscriber again. Did she talk about Cass Bird in the profile or did they mention? I haven't read it yet. Okay. Um, because I was like, oh, well, I know we're going to be talking about the new Rahoni soon. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should save. Yes. There's so much coming up in like the coming weeks. We have so, so many shows, so many movies, um, including Roni Mm -hmm. starring Jenna Lyons and like a bunch of randoms. I watched the trailer (laughs) and one of them seems like very messy in a way that I think I might enjoy, but as well as Roni is kind of this weird Roni spinoff with Sonia Morgan and Countess Lou, where they're who would ever pair those two up? Certainly not me. Um, and there it's called like welcome to crappy Lake. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's like a, (laughs) I don't want to say geriatric, but it's like a, it's like an overgrown, uh, simple life. Oh, wow. Yeah. I need to see. We will see in a few weeks. We've also got coming up soon. The Barbie movie. Oh Yeah. Is it called just Barbie? Everyone's just calling Barbie. it the Barbie movie. This is Barbie. Um, the Idol next week. The Bear is going to be out in Australia mid-July. We're going to be doing a big Bear episode. We can talk all about those cameos and all the Yes Chefs. Yeah, so if you're holding out for streaming and you haven't watched The Plank if you live in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and the finale of Deadlock is coming up soon. And obviously, yes. and just like that, we're going to talk about it 
in just a second, but we're going to be doing a, a little up to the minute recap in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Um, there was an article that I shared with you, Jinxie, this week that I was really excited to read and talk about on the podcast. Um, it's by Dan Coys, who wrote our favorite um, piece on tar <laughs> as a ghost story. And it's called Life Before Cell Phones. Um, and it's all of it. Basically, the premise is that uh, the people in his office or like the young people in his office were kind of like, how did you go to grad school after what, when you were working full time in the mid two thousands, um, weren't you always getting emails and calls from your boss? And it inspired him to, uh, write this piece in which he interviewed people who are roughly my age about what it was like being about 27 in around 2002. These are their stories. <laughs> I love these are their stories, obviously. Yeah. I was, it was such a hard relate to this article. I mean, I was a different age then, but um, I, like I was working full time in, would have been 2000 and t- 2000 was the year that I like left uni for the first time. But yeah, the internet was at the office and um and like if I was using it at home it was because I was like updating my personal website and learning how to use javascript yeah and like not doing any tiny bit of work yeah whatsoever even like in high like I'm younger than you but like even the idea of like researching stuff at home for like high school papers that was done in books in the library. Yeah. Um, and like our shared family computer was for HTML coding my MySpace. Um, yeah. To have pictures of the Ramones like dissolve in and out. <laughs> totally. I I was in a like a lift in LA a few years ago and the driver turned around to me at one point and like he was having trouble with his GPS and he was like, can you believe that they used to use paper? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> What? What do you mean? And he's Who's like, they? <laughs> they used to use paper to like, to know where to go. And I was like, do you mean like a map? <laughs> and like a road atlas? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And then he just could not believe that. I know. I was like, yeah, that's how I learned to drive. Yeah. I watched, Um, I went back to see Of An Age recently at the cinema and the moment when they pull out a Melways, yes. it gets a big laugh. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rest of this article, it's it kind of starts at a place of work and then it goes into kind of how you hung out. Yes, it's and, so good. You know, like you would make a plan with someone. We'd I'd call people on my lunch break. The idea of like your friends calling the receptionist at the office that you worked at. Yeah. Um, if you like, because you wouldn't get a direct line for ages. Yeah. You had to work your way up to a direct patch line. Patch you through and like one guy worked at like a video store or something and his friends would just come and hang out and be like, meet you later at the IHOP. Yeah. It was very that. Yeah. Um, It's so, it's so funny that it's like even worth writing about or like think talking about, you know, because it was just so normal. Um, But yeah, for me very much, it was like, like there were things that came up in his article, like, you know, you can't really flake on people because there's no way of getting in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that you would just go to someone's house. Like you'd just be like, oh, I'm going to go over to... You'd see if someone was home. Yeah. I'd just go over to Becca's house. Like she'll probably be there. You know, yeah. like, you know, you go to like, because all your friends lived in... And I guess this still happens. I'm sounding senior, but um, <laughs> like you would live in like... Very specific share houses. 
The like, singles building is what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, it's yeah. like all your friends would live in these very specific share houses and like some would move between them. So you'd be like, oh, well, I'm like our house was known as the age, which stood for the age of sexuality for some reason. Okay. And I didn't make that up. I did not make that up. Um, <laughs> but so everyone's houses, share houses had a name. So you'd be like, oh, I'm going to the uh, age on like tonight or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also that you would just go to a very specific place and – You'd be like, oh, well, I'll know someone there. It'll be fine. Yeah. And they talk about the idea of like still the same. making conversation with strangers while you waited for your friend at a bar was a skill that you just needed to have. Yeah. It's so it's so funny. There was this one great <laughs> moment in it um, that I noted when a guy named Max said, I remember when my roommate bought a DVD player and we watched American Pie 2 and we called it DV motherfucking D because it felt so ritzy. <laughs> and I love that. It's so good. Yeah. They talk about the idea of the DVD player was also like that you could choose what you wanted to watch because otherwise you'd come home and what's the guy he like came home from work at five o'clock and just watched seventh heaven. Cause it was on. Yeah. And you know, their friends would come over and when it was a show, they didn't want to watch in between like Seinfeld and ER, they just mute it or like turn yeah. the volume down while they hung out. And like, That's so funny. I feel like I did shit like this with my friends in high school. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it feels like a, a true generational divide. Yeah. And uh, like all the stuff in there about like, you know, work being confined to specific hours and how different that is now. And like I worked for magazines when I first started out. So it was like heavy deadlines and like mm. getting something to press and getting the last photos in and like I the was, book. Yeah, it was really, you know, but even with that, it just, I don't know. It was more that I don't, yeah, you weren't, I don't, you just weren't getting emails. Yeah. You'd work late finishing that thing, but then you would leave and you wouldn't do it every night. Yeah. You wouldn't be checking in at home. No. And then um, there was another article that uh, it reminded me of, which I sent to you. It was by Wendy Seifert in The Guardian. And it looks at, uh, it's called, Has Working From Home Thrown the Gen Z's Out With The Water Cooler? Mm. And it was a really great piece where Wendy, great writer, uh, interviewed um, a lot of young employees and they talk about how they work from home and how they don't really understand the concept of working from the office or feel like mm-hmm. they're kind of getting left behind in their careers. Mm. I was thinking about it and it's so true. And I'm not like a, we should all be at the office five days a week. I don't want to be that person. No. Like I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I'm like a half, half, but which is perfect. But um, it is that thing of like, when you're in the office, you can I like you have direct access to like if you're young and you're starting out you have like direct access to the people above you or your peers you can see how everyone else is kind of performing as well whereas Mm -hmm. you kind of can't if you're just on like slack or zoom or whatever it is all the time on teams and also that you don't get to hear about like so and so is getting promoted or that like anything is changing within the yeah. office structure and that stuff is so important. Totally. I had not thought about that aspect of like the negative aspect of working from home really. Yeah. Thought a lot about it with kids like missing out on school, mm. but not that young, 
like just starting out in a career. Yeah. The idea of being in a place where people can see you and can see the effort that you're putting in. Um, but also you can see how other people behave in that space as Mm. well. Um, yeah, there was, there was someone in Wendy's piece who talked about how they didn't realize that until they went into the office, that there are kind of places you can go and talk to people in between all the meetings and that a realistic workday is not just meetings back to back all day, every day with people who can get immediate access to you at any time. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It was yeah. eye opener, but yeah, God, I loved that slate piece. It was so funny. So good. It really reminds me of um, Jessica Hopper's kind of diary style book from a few years ago called night moves. Um, And it's very much like a riding around, hanging out with people kind of memoir. Oh fun. I need to read that. Yeah. I'll loan it to you. It's just on the shelf behind me. Okay, it's not just and just like that. (laughs) Oh my God, that's such a clumsy sentence. This fucking show. It's not just and just like that, that we (laughs) are kind of delayed talking about because of our recording schedule, because we record on Monday. It's a Monday now. We recorded last episode on Monday. And on Monday last week, our time, a certain vessel had just descended. (laughs) We had no idea. Into the ocean. We had no idea that our whole lives would be completely consumed by a submersible. Truly. I wrote a little um, kind of tried to tried to recap my schedule last week. Monday it went missing. This is Australian time. Tuesday, my vibe was I can't think about that. But thanks anyway. Like, enjoy mm-hmm. your fun, everyone. Um, by Wednesday, I went... I think I learned everything there was to know about it. Um, and I think it was the problematic stepson mm-hmm. who kind of got Pulled me to that in. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the retweeting an OnlyFans model um, right after going to a Blink-182 <laughs> show. And then not that he was any kind of hero, but the getting milkshake ducked for like stalking female DJs at some point. Anyway. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I love a fail son <laughs> in any kind of narrative. <laughs> Thursday. Could not stop thinking about it. Mm. I got a pedicure. We talked about it the whole time. Mm-hmm. I then went and got my nails done. We talked about it. The inter- Everyone in the salon was being like, Brody, any news? Brody, any news? <laughs> Couldn't refresh my phone. I was getting my nails done. But like years ago when the Thai soccer team got stuck in the cave, mm. I was working at the time with our friend Emily. And every morning we'd come in and be like, what's the latest on the boys? Like we would just debrief on the espend and the meditating, mm. etc. And there's a clip of Amy Poehler who went on Seth Meyers around that time. And it gave me an insight into how I was coming across to people <laughs> because she's just like spouting every fact that she's retained about this thing. And that was me last week with the, with the sub, with the sub. I was like one single crack. They would have imploded. Um, and that night, <laughs> Thursday night, I was like, well, it's hour 96, that oxygen supply is gone. So let's hope they started meditating, um, or started sleeping. Um, but who wants to tell a billionaire to start meditating? You know, how would they react to that? Mm. Anyway, so I was having a lot of, having a lot of feelings. feelings. Yeah. And it was winter solstice for us. Of course. The shortest day of the year, but it yeah. felt so long. But for them, it was the longest day of the year because, uh, summer solstice. And also it's a day that never ends down in the deep. No, it sure doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Look, I got home from the recording, watched the idol. And then as we were going to bed, my girlfriend said, have you seen this? And then just showed me the thing. And it was like, what now? I can't, <sighs> like, I can't not think about this. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Look, that's all I could talk about also. Yeah. So I could read about, um, it brought me to Twitter. 
I, yes. I have not enjoyed Twitter for a very long time. Yeah. But that was the thing I was reading. Some things bring us t- all together yeah, as a like, world. I mean, Elon wanted to interfere with the Thai cave boy drama. Remember when he called the people rescuing them a pedo? Yeah, I do. Apart from the Blink-182 son, my other favorite moment of everything. And yes, we lost five souls that day. The other thing that was so great was the Daily Mail calling King Princess a non-binary Nepo baby. <laughs> and King Princess like responding to that on their Instagram was very funny because uh, King Princess is related to the wife of the submarine pilot Stockton Rush's wife yeah yeah they're cousins and their great great grandparents uh were on the Titanic they died and they were the ones who inspired the elderly couple in the bed yeah (laughs) yeah I thought when you said Daily Mail headline I thought you were gonna mention the one where they interviewed the Starbucks barista who served them coffee right before they went down there and was quoted as (laughs) saying they seemed really happy (laughs) Oh my God, don't, if you are going into a submarine for a long time, don't have coffee. Don't get like, when there's one little box that you're all shitting in. Do not do it. Don't do it. I'm so glad I was not part of that because I would not stop thinking about that. In the the piece it said, like, how did you know that they were the people going down there? And he was like, well, they were all wearing blue suits that said Titanic on them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just kept thinking, is Courtney Love going to find them? What is it about like a disappearing kind of like nature mystery? It's like, it's like when you're a kid and all you can think about is the Muna Triangle. Totally. And how quicksand works. Totally. Totally. It's exactly that. It's giving like Thai cave boys, Malaysia flight 370 and like the Dyatlov Pass. Have you gone through a phase of like looking into that? Okay. No, but I will. Don't do it before bed tonight. All right. Well, Eerie. On Saturday night. <laughs> I had a really important um, work film to watch Uh and the screener would not work no matter what. Sure. I was trying to get in touch with the people involved. Anyway, it just wouldn't work for me. And I was like, do you know what? This is a sign. I'm watching Titanic. (laughs) And I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Um, Lol that like everyone's like, oh, Netflix, hilarious that they're bringing it. Like Netflix, so funny. They're going to bring it back July 1 in America. We've already got it. We've got it. It's on Disney Plus, 3 hours and 15 minutes, babes. <laughs> well, not for me. I watched the beginning. I've, I've only seen it once before at the cinema when oh, it first came out. Whoa. And I watched until Jack and Rose met and they had their little like... Dance. Yeah, beautiful. And then I fast forwarded right until the iceberg hit um, slash having sex in the car. Yeah. Um, great, great moment in the film. So much is happening and, (laughs) um, lots of earth moving, et cetera. But yeah. And then I watched from there on out. Cause I was like, I know, I know what happened. I know about the heart of the sea or whatever it's called. Yeah. I also came home last night and, and watched it. I only watched like the first hour or so though, I think, but it was truly wild how that film starts. I also forgot that they were like ransacking the Titanic, those yeah. deep sea explorers. Bill Paxton. Um, and just the exposition from his character at the start being like, these windows are nine inches thick. And if they go sayonara in two microseconds, <laughs> it was fucking sayonara. And also imagine having watched that movie at some point and being like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> 
Uh, it's too much. I'm going to survive. It's too much. I watched so many animations of just how deep down they had oh to God. go. I'm sure you did too. But I was quoting them as if I had done the research myself. I was like, it's like 10 Empire State Buildings or whatever. But once it got to like where the squid, where the giant squid and the whale fight, like that depth, once it gets so dark, I got a full body chill mm. because of how terrifying it is to to see the squid and the whale, the diorama, not the movie, yep, 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 um, yep, yep. the movie named after the diorama at the Natural History Museum. Like I, I can't even approach that corner of the museum without like someone else next to me because it's so eerie the way it's like black and you have to come really close to it for that the squid just attached to the mm. whale's head to kind of come out of. Oh, I know it. It's so scary. Yeah, look, I can't even really handle the ride at Disneyland, which used to be the Captain Nemo ride, and now it's the Finding Nemo ride, which which it wasn't. Um, although it does have a full-color Great Barrier Reef moment in it, and it's, Cute. like, not realistic. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's bleach, bleach now. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that I don't even like that. And mm. you're well aware that you're in an extremely shallow pool, but once they close that door behind you, oof. Um, so I did Google last night, why didn't Titanic explode? And why? So remember at the start of the movie Titanic where um, that kind of uh, – how do we describe him kindly? The one who's like steering the little submersible robot and he's kind of gross and he's trying to convince Brock Lovett that Rose is a shyster just there to like steal all their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of obnoxious. Anyway, he's showing her the animation that's like – Bam, it hits the iceberg and cracks. Down it goes. And she's like, cool, I'm traumatized. Um, So the first – so the reason things implode in that much air pressure is because they have air inside of them and the air is so much heavy – this might be wrong scientifically – but the air pressure is so heavy on the outside that it crushes everything inside. That's an implosion. So the reason that the front of the Titanic, the bit that hit the iceberg, that slow, the water slowly got in. So it wasn't filled with air when it went down. It was mm. filled with water. And so it slowly went down. But remember the back half bobbed for a second and then it went down. So apparently the photos of the, they only go in to look at the front half because the back half is crumpled. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Checks out, I guess. Checks out. That's to me, the person br- who hasn't read any of this. Women in STEM, you know, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> okay, it is time to talk about And Just Like That, and I do not know where to start. <laughs> At the moment of this particular part of the recording, we have seen two episodes. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode's out, there will be a third. So where whatever's happened in the third episode is none of our business right now. It's not. We're all We're about not concerned. Shay's troubles with Tony Danza um, and their body and being held by Miranda or not being held by Miranda. How do we even start? There's How so much. We... There's so much in this. Yeah, there's so much. Okay. Um... You've already talked about Shay. Do we start there? Let's start with the Shay of it all. Whoa, the comedy I cannot handle. It's <laughs> they only had to write one line to be funny. I know the fact that Shay's one bit of stand-up comedy that we saw in two episodes is so deeply unfunny. Like, and that's my time. How are the writers not trying to tell us that Shay's bad at comedy? 
Like, how do they expect us to draw any conclusion other than this is bad? I don't know because the writers were not on strike when this was written, but it feels like occasionally that they were because yeah. I don't understand it. I don't understand the Shay. Obviously, spoilers massively ahead for the first – every time we talk about and Just Like That, there's going to be spoilers. But yeah. we, um, we probably – we think that you are keeping up. So. Yeah, we're assuming. The TV show that Che is making, Che Barza. <laughs> <laughs> um, why is Abby McEnany the head writer on it? I mean, love Abby, obviously. We were talking. It's funny because we were talking about Abby in last episode without knowing that yeah. Abby was going to turn up in this. When I saw them appear on screen, I was like, what are the freaking chances? Oh, my God. The blue streak. The blue streak. But I don't understand that. I don't understand why Che cannot turn up for work when they get the call from Abby and Abby's like, this isn't a favor. Like, this is your job. And yeah. Che's like... Oh, I'll try to get in there by 10. It's like you're making a, the pilot of your show about your life. And did you not like you didn't write it? I guess there's a showrunner who's trying to make it about them. What is this fucking show? What is the show? I have no idea. Oh, I have no idea. I forget if it was on. I've listened to a bunch of and just like that recaps in the last couple of days. And I forget if it was on Every Outfits or Danny Pellegrino's. But one of them said, like, if you didn't know better, if you just watched and just like that and didn't watch Sex in the City, you would have watched these two episodes thinking this is a show about someone called Che making a TV show in L.A. and they have a friend called Carrie in New York, I guess. Yeah. 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 It, it is very much that. It's so sad. It's really odd. And like, I guess it's that Che got such a bad rap um, from the first season that they've obviously gone like, no, we can fix this. We can work this out. Yeah. But actually by just having more Che, it's not. But not better Che. But not better Che. They, but they seem to think that, well, Sara Ramirez mm. said explicitly that like, if you didn't like Che in season one, it's essentially because you're like a tool of the patriarchy, like you're transphobic or something. Yeah, And it's like, that's hard. I mean, we're both cis women. I have a lot of non-binary people around me and I don't know a single one who likes the Che character, no. but also like the Che character doesn't, I'm saying I don't like the Che character, but that doesn't mean I don't like a non-binary character. I watch lots of TV shows with non-binary yes. characters and actors in them. Yes. And so you don't have to be like, well, Che doesn't have to, you know, stand up for, to represent all, mm. but it's just kind of a shame that on this one massive show, there is so much chain and it ain't good. And surely if you were designing a show to maybe, maybe we're not the target demo. Maybe the target demo is like older people who maybe don't have any non-binary or trans people in their lives to show them like, this is the complexity of experience that can happen. Mm. You know, people can come out late in life. They don't need to fall in love with a man or a woman. But, like, wouldn't you want that depiction to be a more positive one or a more uh, – yeah, I don't want to like, say likable because that's not – No, like, I love don't, an evil queer, i got to say. Love. And if Che was evil, if Che, if che was a good character, they would have fucked around on Miranda or, like, the fact that they're, they kind of seem like they are mm. still – 
but I don't think we're supposed to think that. No. Which means that like. You don't want to be seeing Miranda like in a situation with Che and all you're thinking is go get our girl. Like, yes. do you know what I mean? Yes. It's not, it's bad. That's bad. Every Miranda scene is a cry for help after the lobotomy <laughs> that happened off screen. It's so weird. Also, I just want to be clear here because we went straight into the Che stuff, but I'm really enjoying this season. Oh, I yeah. lapped it up, loved it. Oh, it's delicious. It's great. I can't wait. I like, cannot wait for episode three. <laughs> um, and we'll be reading every recap and listening Everything. to every podcast and every profile, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, love it. So thank you very much. Um, but it is fun to talk about the... The bad things. The bad stuff, of course, like the way they treat Anthony. Oh, and Anthony gets some good lines. I'm happy that Anthony is like has stepped up in this role. Same. Um, even if he didn't, oh, he did get to go to the Met Ball. Ball. Lol. Um, <laughs> thank you. But um, yeah, look, I'm I'm happy that he's getting some good lines in. Yeah, I am too, and I'm glad for his presence. But he has quite literally been um, demoted to like gay handbag role. Like it's very nineties. His, yeah, he's back his in, role in the yeah. show. He's got Stanford's role. Yeah, and speaking of Stanford, how long do they do you think they can keep like having him send trinkets from Japan? I don't understand why they've done this because... Is it that they think only one person can die per season? Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad because, you know, when Carrie says that, you know, her her, her stanny sent her a kimono from Tokyo, Mm. it's like, no, no, he didn't do it. It just made everyone think of Willie Garçon and, like, be sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he needs to... He needs to die off screen. Truly. And then that's just part of the lore, I guess. But they could have done that in between seasons because then it could have given like character, like Carrie have like more grief to work through so that by the time you see her really hitting her stride, which she is doing in this season, turning her pain into whatever. Um, But, you know, like it's... I don't know, like that would be even more powerful in a way, especially yeah. for the viewers, because you'd be like, oh, my God, Stanley. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but Carrie, I guess, is post-grief now, and so we're never going to see that happen because no. grief was so first season. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm happy with the Carrie stuff so far. She hasn't peed in a Snapple, so not, that's, that's good. Not yet. She's not, like, getting a hip replacement Yet, touch wood. (laughs) Look, can I just say, I was, I really liked the scene where she's being dressed by smoke for the Met Ball. Oh my God, in that like ribbon monstrosity. Honestly, that felt like a drinking game that episode. So every time they say Met Ball instead of Met Gully, she do something. Um, But yeah, that was a disgusting dress, but Carrie handled it so gracefully that whole time. Just the little asides to herself in the corridors instead of, well done, well done. She, yeah, that's growth. She's also really like um, SJP's physical comedy is, is I'm not going to say back because it wasn't gone, but like it, it feels like Sex in the City the way that she, like in the real deal store with Miranda and the pigeon purse, um, you know, the girl behind the counter or Miranda would kind of snap or something and Carrie would kind of do her little like, look away in the background mm. as if she was like, oh, oh, 
Not yeah. here. That's all really good. Yeah. And we love it when she's doing that. I mean, one of my favorite Carrie things ever is when she falls in the Dior store in Paris. It is such a perfect pratfall. Like I just watch that on repeat sometimes. <laughs> it makes me very happy. So Carrie star wise, she's in her big shirts at home era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really upset that the there is an official New York Times merch store with lots and lots of sweatshirts, but not that specific one. Yeah, I checked as well. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It's really upsetting. It's got to exist soon. Apparently there's some, like I watched it with our friends on Friday night and they sent a link around the next day to like, it's some Instagram account that does like the character and then the clothes they're wearing yeah. and so you can shop them and apparently it's a vintage new york times sweatshirt okay all right but <sighs> they should redo them because they redid all their merch last year yeah and it's they've got a white sweatshirt with the same font but it's in the center of the chest and it's a hoodie mm. which is not carrie not to wear a hoodie not me um they it did make me look at that new york herald tribune knit oh, top again it's so good yeah i know it's really like that's the coolest thing they've made it really is um but yeah, she's wearing these oversized shirts in her tiny bed. Her teeny tiny little bed. I know where Franklin is waiting for her. <laughs> I was shocked by the spelling of Franklin's name. Am I stupid? No. I imagine it would be L I N, but it's L Y N. No. Like Brooklyn. That all that's saying to me is this guy's not sticking around. You're never gonna see him again. <laughs> Yeah, well I don't think he is. He was really nice. He was a sweetie. Yeah. But that's nice. Yeah, I like that Carrie's just like getting it in. Getting it in. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She's working through it. Okay, we covered the kind of ad for pussy medicine at the start of the episode. Okay, but can I just also say when that awful character of Chloe comes out, the podcast, whatever, exec. Yeah. um, (laughs) And great, they've got like a single character in a wheelchair and she's such a bitch. She's such a bitch, which I love. Yeah. But when she said, uh, like, you should be less precious about your pussy, all I could think of was that is such a Samantha line, like such a great line for Samantha to deliver. And it mm-hmm. would have been so funny, but alas. Truly so funny. And as her rep, she would have said the exact same advice. She would have. Um, okay. No one on this show can use a phone. Is my first note that I wrote down. <laughs> Because the whole like being stuck at the beach and not knowing Shay's phone number and not asking anyone there to call an Uber, but also everyone forgot that Uber exists. Like LTW's husband, when he can't hail a cab and they're trying to show us that racism exists. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't have called that. I mean, obviously just as a plot point, Yeah, but also that plot point just goes away so quickly. Everything. There's so many things happening in this show. There are so many characters. Between that and Miranda at the beach and LTW not getting the sprinter for the Met ball in episode one, I was like, okay, can, how do we commute around the city? Like, I don't need that as a plot line every episode. No, but she did look good crossing the street in the Valentino. She looked great. It was a good photo opportunity. It was a great 10 blocks. <laughs> um, the the phone thing, it's so funny that you say that because the whole time I was like, Che, call Miranda and Uber. Yeah. You don't need to call your ex-husband. I would also don't need to spend time with Shay's ex-husband in future episodes. If we're going to have an ex-husband, I want it to be Steve. Well, what if he does, because that's Kate Hudson's brother, what I think he could be in it and then he could be with, I don't know, maybe he's like, maybe 
for Carrie or something. What if he fucks Miranda? I don't want Miranda to go back yeah, to okay. the dudes just yet. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's obvious, like it could, I mean, he's a Steve character in that way, but mm-hmm. I think too messy for her. Maybe when Carrie go gets her girl from LA, that's when they have sex in his like jalopy, like Jughead's car. And <laughs> I love that car. The comic books. <laughs> um, not in the show Riverdale, which no. I do not watch. I need it on the record. Yeah. I don't watch it. I think everyone has discussed, um, downloading final draft to write ad copy which is the dumbest thing i've <laughs> oh my seen God. write it in your notes app dude and it really doesn't take long when i did like radio training a million years ago yeah. we would be given like ads and you would have to re like for anything and you would have to like rewrite it on the fly yeah. while you were on air so you'd, you would like do a cold read but like jazz it up in your own voice immediately and like you were tested on it. Mm. I was like, Carrie, this is a piece of piss in a snapper bottle. Like you should be able to do this. <laughs> also as if Carrie hasn't been doing SponCon on Instagram for the last 20 years. Right. Um, maybe it was the end of financial year and he just needed it, some more deductions. <laughs> maybe. Um, and then we get the Avid crashed um, from LTW. In I, her office, in her dressing room. Yeah, okay. I, uh-huh, I know. that. I really want to see, like, I really want to see, like, a documentary that she's made. I want them to go, <laughs> like, for her to get the financing and then one of the plot points for them to be at her documentary premiere Kind of like when in Rehoboha, when um, Lisa Vanderpump makes the documentary about Stop You Live Forever. Mm-hmm, and then it plays at the Palm Springs Film Festival <laughs> yeah. and they all go. Yeah. That is what I want. Because, I mean, I'm not that they're going to pl- make the same kinds of films. I think the LTW will make a real vanity piece, you yeah. know, as a documentarian, based as on a very the, rich documentarian. Yeah. Based on the stills on her screen, I have a feeling that she's making like a movie about natural hair. And so when her, her husband's, uh, when her mother-in-law sees it, she's going to be like, okay, your daughter can wear her hair out naturally or something. Cause there are those cuts uh, on the yeah. screen of like little girls with like afros. Hey, I thought it was her daughter at first. But well, it's... I would like to see that documentary. Yeah. Send it to submissions at myth.com.au. <laughs> uh, but look, I love Nicole Ari Parker. I loved her in The Incredibly Two Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Mm-hmm. And she's so gorgeous. And I just love her in this show. Yeah, she's so good. It's like, I really love all the new characters is the thing, except for Che. Like they... Yeah. I actually want to spend time with all of them. Like Seema is obviously the Samantha stand-in. Yeah. So fun. So fun. I will never get over Zed, that guy not being the Prada man. But anyway, (laughs) and I really love Naya. I think she like puts in great performances. She's obviously a great comedic performer, which is a hundred percent what this show needs. Yeah. She's having a lot of fun. Um, in these two episodes at least. Uh, and I just really want her to never see her husband again. I don't need him at all. Yeah. Um, speaking of Seema, I just wrote in my notes, like I've just started seeing a new uh, hairdresser who's like very no nonsense, very real straight talker, same hairdresser as you, Jinxie. Yeah, and like my hairdresser is such a straight talker. She was like, you should try regain for your thinning hair. And I was like, okay. Like yeah. not offended at all, but if you said this, your th- hair is why you're still alone. 
I would have lit that salon on fire. It's it's worse when he has said that he's like, oh, and I told that one over there, get some lipo. It's like, that is (laughs) so... uh, Yeah. um, But meanwhile, if you don't like Che, you're homophobic. (laughs) I know. That's the thing. It's like all the gay characters, gay male characters are such like the... Such obvious, yeah. Um, that character, that hairdresser character, renditions. is giving the like, um, the kind of Russian makeover artist in The Princess Diaries. <laughs> oh god, it's been a while, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Lily? What sure. a little bitch! I cannot stand <laughs> Lily. Yeah. Rock, I've got time for. I love Rock. Rock's cool. Rock's our non-binary character that we support. Um, <laughs> See. <laughs> um. But, like, that song, Power of Privilege, was so funny. It was oh so God. deeply funny. It was so bad. I know. Oh God, it was terrible. But also, and, like, it's meant to be. She's, like, a young whatever. But the fact that she's told to sell, <laughs> to, to make enough money to buy the things she wants, and then she is making money because she does have these side hustles going while she's at school. Yeah. Um, and then she turns around and sells, like, these expensive things that she knows will piss off her mom. Yeah. But then she has the audacity to write this song about the power of privilege. Yeah. It's yeah. just like I <laughs> And I, perform uh, it there. It's a total like Ouroboros happening on yeah. screen. It's so funny. It was a very funny moment because obviously like the whole reason for the real deal Charlotte kind of slapsticky stuff was because uh Lily sold those uh clothes to buy a keyboard and a microphone because she didn't want to play her Steinway piano for the music she wanted to make. And it was very funny to watch this episode in the company of uh, podcast composer Harvey Sutherland. Um, and halfway through, we were like, would this have sounded any different on the piano? And he was like, not a, no, not different at all. It would have sounded exactly the same. She did not need that keyboard at all. Didn't even need a microphone. Everyone's sitting in the room. She's not recording anything. She's not like if you're going to do the Billie Eilish kind of like vocals and like lyrics, at least do the fucking Phineas like bleep bloop glitchy production (laughs) shit on the computer, Lily. Come on. Purple streak in your hair or whatever it is. Yeah. Franklin bought Final Draft. You can buy Ableton. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we know on the horizon. We've got some returning characters. We've got Aiden coming soon. We've got the much talked about Kim Cattrall return in the finale. Jinxie, am I alone here? I kind of wish we didn't know any of this. Same. Yeah. I mean, the Aiden one is fine because he's been like often on the set for so long that it was, was obvious. And then he made that statement about how he was coming back. Yeah. And then he didn't. And it was a prank. Yeah. Um so I I feel okay about that one. But I yeah, I wish I didn't know about the Samantha. Yeah. That would have been such a golden moment. What a as huge a moment it would have mm-hmm. been. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll see in two months. <laughs> I guess we'll see in two months. But the thing is it's like I already don't want it to end. Like I, I want this show to just be on every single week. Yeah. I was about to say night and then I reined it in because I don't want it on every night. No, once a week. It can't be like Love Island. Um, <laughs> but okay. But yeah, once a week forever. I think this was my sentiment last year when the first season ended. A friend texted me and was like, what did you think of the season? I was like, it was bad for all these reasons and I hated all these things about it and I never want to stop watching it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I do feel that they have tried to, like in the first 
season they like over egged it and they were trying to overcorrect. And this season, I don't feel like they've done that so far. Mm-hmm. I feel like they uh, have just, it's like we've just kind of accepted all the new characters now. Mm-hmm. And that's all fine and great. And obviously, mm-hmm. Miranda is going through some inner turmoil where she has lost her, I don't know, something. Everything frontal lobe. I think that might be it. Maybe she left it at the beach while picking up seaweed. For seaweed. No, like, I don't understand that. And she put it from one part of the beach into a pile in another, and then they put them all into the bins. I was like, "This is a waste of time." But then they just all left the bags of of the rubbish, the um, seaweed marks, um, on the beach. On the beach. Oh, I just, yeah, some things in there. No, no, thank you. Yeah, no thanks. Um, But yes, please, forever. Yes, please, forever. Uh, do you have some, any see also? My only see also is, um, we talk about it all the time, but the Every Outfit podcast and the Patreon after show. Yeah, so they've just started doing a show called And Just After That. Uh, and it is hidden behind a paywall. And this is the time where you join their patreon yeah because you need it yeah it was very funny i listened a second time today and they say a lot of things that they wouldn't say on their main pod it's a reason it's a reason to listen oh it's a reason to live god damn it um i've got a couple of profiles that you've probably all read but the sjp profile by rachel syme in the new yorker is so great it's like sjp trying to out normal herself it's Oh, quite amazing. Yeah. It's quite a feat. Um, and it just makes me like her even more. Yeah. Even though I know what she's doing. A feat of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are two Sarah Ramirez pieces that I am still going to uh, point you towards. Um, they are good reads. Uh, the first one is in The Cut. Um, and I will tell you too. Hold some space for it. And then there's one in the, in interview magazine that just came out and it's called Sara oh. Ramirez knows what you think about Che Diaz. But I just want to say how this starts. John Cooper says, Hey, Hey, how are you? And Ramirez says, I'm well, it's so great to be on this call with you. It's been a minute since we last connected, but thank you for being here and sharing your energy with us today. No. Okay. So that's how we're going to open the show every week now, BL. How do you I, feel? Qu- <laughs> I quit. <laughs> so Shay Diaz is a documentary is what we're learning. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. So Sarah Ramirez knows what you think about Shay Diaz, but I don't think they get what, you know? Yeah. I mean, the California girls last season told us everything that they think this character is or this show mm. is or this performance is anyway i am yum 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 eat it, eat it all up including shay yum 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 we got to get in our uber from our um recording studio to the front door jinxie but it's expensive because we're here in la anyway that's our time <laughs> hold for laughs okay we're finally up to also also's bl what's your first one 
My first one is a face also, and it's also kind of a tip for Australians who have been dying to try Jones Road Beauty, like I have been for so long. Um, Last Wednesday, I once again saw a TikTok video of Bobby Brown, formerly of Bobby Brown, who left Bobby Brown and created her own skincare and beauty company called Jones Road Beauty. Um, and they have not been stocked anywhere in Australia. Their website doesn't ship to Australia. I've been desperate to try their products, especially their What the Foundation. Um, and I just happened to comment on one of Bobby's videos last Wednesday morning and said, Bobby, please start shipping to Australia. I've done this like three times in the past. And she replied and said, we ship there via Liberty London. So I went on to Liberty. I hadn't even gotten out of bed. Went to Liberty London, ordered a few products, threw in an extra lip balm so that I could get free shipping and it arrived at my house this morning. It's Monday. Love that. Pretty fast turnaround. And I've been wearing it all day. I got the What the Foundation, the Miracle Balm, and the new gel bronzer. And they're really great, especially for winter, the oil-based kind of – it's like grown-up Glossier, you know, that kind of skin tint, barely there, makeup style, very dewy girl aesthetic. (laughs) I'm so sorry for using that phrase. but Glazed donut, dolphin face. Yeah, but for like the 30-plus, you know, Bobbi Brown's kind of – she's made – adult glossier i have wanted to use it because they talk about it on everything is fine podcast yes and those ladies are in their 50s am i right Mm -hmm. so yeah it sounds good yeah you can dip your finger in my in my what the foundation and try it if you want thank you so much i'm sorry for phrasing it like that what's your first also Uh, i've also got a skin also it's the emma lewisham supernatural oh yeah uh so Emma Lewisham is from New Zealand. I've been trying to kind of look at buying localish products again. Um, anyway, I've used Kiehl's Midnight Recovery every night for like almost two decades and Whoa. swore by it. Still kind of swear by it. It's a really great product. You kind of always wake up and your face is kind of plump and nice. It's a moisturizer? Yeah, it's like, it's like a deep kind of serum, oh, I yeah. guess, because I don't use uh, – no, what do you retinol mm-hmm. i don't use it um i can't use it on my face uh so anyway that's what i've been using and it's really great however i decided to switch it up so i moved to the supernatural um thank you to mecca i have to say this was a gifted product um but i will repurchase it because it's really making a difference i think it's like you know how like you need to kind of not use the same products forever mm-hmm. uh i have found that my skin is much more kind of plump in a good way Mm -hmm. when I wake up in the morning and it looks less, I don't know, like it's not, it's not having any kind of bad reactions to anything overnight. It just, and it feels really lovely. Like Mm. as soon as you put it on, it's like a very rich cream. I don't normally use rich creams, but it's kind of, I don't know, it absorbs lovely. Apparently it's scientifically proven to regenerate collagen at a cellular level. You look very glowy and plump from oh, over here. Thank you. In the face. Thank you. <laughs> I've got to subscribe also. It's uh, the Substack Gentle Foods, which is written by Christina Che. She was formerly at Bon Appetit and I believe she headed up Healthy-ish, which was like a, a kind of short-lived vertical on Bon Appetit that got – um, you know, kind of consumed by the main website when they did this restructure years ago after they all got cancelled. Um, Christina Che is great. I used to subscribe to her 
Bon Appetit newsletter, which um, started out as kind of like recipes and little stories and stuff. And then during the pandemic, it was like, buy one bunch of herbs a week and build all your recipes around your herbs. Here is how I used everything that was in my fridge this week to avoid waste. Like it became a really great little resource on like living with food. Um, and so she's started a new Substack now, which I, um, I'm really enjoying gentle foods. Oh, I'm definitely subscribing to that. That's so good. She's great. My next one is a wear also. They are the path shoes by Melbourne based post soul studio who I've mentioned here before, but not for a while. I felt like it was enough time had passed that I could up them again. Um, Postal Studio make really beautiful shoes. Um, You can buy them Insta at Ode Collective and in a couple of different places in Melbourne. You can also get them at Somebody Loves You, but you can get them online as well. Um, I have wanted their Path shoes for like 18 months I just kind of couldn't let myself buy them because they're so simple. Like they're just classic black lace-ups. You can Mm -hmm. get them in other colors. Mm -hmm. But I finally bit the bullet and I really wish I hadn't waited that long because they are kind of the perfect shoe. Mm. I have a lot of loafers in my life and lots of very beautiful loafers. But these are like school shoes. They're like, it's like wearing school shoes. Yeah. So it's kind of like a dock vibe, but a little more streamlined and they've got a chunkyish rubber sole. So they're very all weather. But what I really love about the company is that they, I try not to buy leather very much, but, um, the leather that they use is mostly dead stock from factories. So it will kind of end up in Australia bound for landfill. And that's what they make their shoes out of. And um, almost all of their materials are like sourced locally, like their accessories and trims come from a local supplier. Um, They, their boxes are made in Dandenong, you know, like their rubber soles are made to order in Adelaide. They're a very conscientious company, but they make beautiful and very fun shoes. Mm -hmm. I love the contrast between me being like, I ordered this foundation from London. <laughs> look, you got to do it sometimes. Sometimes you got to look, you're being, you're being sustainable for the both of us. I also fly an absurd amount every single year. So <laughs> like I will go to Liberty in September in London. So Cheek. I mean, that is not good. Oh my God. You'll be able to stick your own finger in what the foundation in person. Uh, <laughs> Okay, my last one is a hair also. More products. Um, It's the Doveness Liquid Spell Reinforcing Bodifying Fluid for Sensitized or Fine Hair. Wow, what a mouthful I didn't realize when I (laughs) pasted this in. Uh, uh, All that to say, it's mousse. It's mousse for your hair. Uh, and you put a little pump into your hand. We were going to have the chocolate mousse. (laughs) Um. You're such an American. Yeah, I am. Um, You put a pump of this mousse in your hair. When it's damp, you blow dry it in, you know, like mousse. Um, But yeah, it's apparently bodifying liquid for sensitized or fine hair. I don't know what sensitized means, but I definitely have fine hair. Um, And I got a haircut recently from a previously mentioned new hairdresser. um, And I came away from it being like, this is how my hair looks in my mind like this is my platonic ideal of my haircut and all she used in it was this mousse so I bought a jar a bottle on my way out and um yeah this is what it is great yeah love that 
My last one is a read also. It's a new column that has popped up on Metrograph Journal Online. It's called Wardrobe Department. And writers look at kind of iconic looks in film, um, covering like great actors or you know, wardrobe stylists, etc. The first two are out. Um, and the first one was on Catherine Deneuve and it looks at like many of her looks. And the latest one is on the Canto pop star, um, Anita Mui. Um, that one's by Phoebe Chen and they're just really nice pieces about like these incredible women, but they go in quite a lot of depth about what they're wearing and why, and like what it all means. It's really great. It's online. It's free. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, if you can pop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a little review, tell us what you love about the show. We love to read them. We do. And on Instagram, we're at See Also Podcast. If you're not following us already, that's where you can do it. Yep. And that's the best way to get in touch with us as well. Um, thank you so much, as ever, to Samuel Hodge for our original imagery and Harvey Sutherland for explaining about Lily's uh, piano <laughs> and also for our original theme music. He's so multi-talented. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.